This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment. Tallman Equipment prides itself in having more linemen tools in stock than anyone else. And now, when you're shopping online at tallmanequipment.com, look for the truck logo that says Fast Ship on hundreds of items on their website. That logo means that item is in stock and ready to ship the same day in most cases. When it comes to getting the tools and equipment linemen need, trust Tallman. Line 11 Clothing Company, making apparel for our first responders with a positive message to patriots that you can be proud of. The proceed of the cost goes to helping our foundation ignite the fire for father engagement. Give them a follow at Line 11 Clothing on Instagram. And finally, Monzingo Knives. Each knife is created with craftsmanship that only a tradesman could provide. Find them on Instagram at Monzingo Knives and get your American-made Monzingo knife today. Hello, this is David and Jenny, and together we're on this mission to just be able to talk to other couples out there about this new series that we have. Okay, we all know that all marriages, even the really good ones, need mending. The routine of jobs, kids, chores, and other commitments can overshadow romance and passion with any husband and wife. As a result, couples can feel disillusioned or even alone. That is why we have created this marriage series, a platform for husbands and wives to come on and share what they do to be successful. Today's guests are Stephanie and Victor Enriquez. Victor has been a journeyman lineman since 2017 and moved to California from Texas three years ago. He came up through the outside before taking a job at a local uh, utility. He has been married for 10 years to his wife, Stephanie, and together they have three kids. Stephanie graduated from South Texas School of Law with her law degree and now is a stay-at-home mother. Welcome to Marriage on the Line, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Well, my wife, Jenny, here is excited, and this is our third or fourth one. This is, well, this will be our fourth. Our fourth recording, yeah, right? Yeah, fourth recording. It's, yeah. It's been a lot of fun. It has been. It has really been. listening to them. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, well, it, how, how have you liked them yeah. so far? I really liked them. It's it's made me let me know I'm not the only line wife who deals with the same thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. all of the time. Yeah, yeah. That's the purpose of it because I think there's a whole another aspect of the whole like line trade that sometimes people don't know about, and mm-hmm. we definitely want people to be educated and prepared, especially the new people coming into the trade to know that they're going to face things and that, and also people that aren't even in the trade and they might have jobs that bring them away from home or they're working all the time. Sometimes they face similar challenges and stuff like that in marriage. And that's definitely the whole point of the marriage series, right? Wouldn't you say? I, yeah, I would say so. Uh, I, I heard something interesting as a good friend of mine. He worked with me over at the apprenticeship and uh, he said that the line trade has a specific way of bringing your weaknesses to the surface it magnifies them and that's stands true i mean if you're weak in an area of your marriage it's going to bring it out if you're weak in an area of your own life where you have substance abuse or you have these uh these a tendency to abuse things it's going to come out to the surface you know what i mean so an addictive personality personality. but uh like it's a shift in our culture too i know in the past uh with any men or any culture it's it's kind of like they didn't want to bring up the the tough subjects and stuff that you know were there any shortcomings that they might have 
Yeah. Guys wanted to keep that to themselves. They didn't, oh, yeah. you know, they didn't want to share that with other guys. Right. And I think this is uh, really awesome for for the mine community to be embracing on and embarking on. I wonder why guys do that though, bro. Like seriously, it's a, like, it's a, it's a weakness. I mean, you, you don't want to. Yeah, well, definitely ego. ego. Definitely ego. ego. Yeah, and pride, pride and ego. Yeah. Man, I, I did this podcast with uh, Phil Johnson. I don't know if you guys heard that one. It was about ego. And uh, amazing, like he totally changed the way I looked about ego. He said that ego never wants to be equal with anybody. It either wants to be better or below, but never equal. So if you get mad at somebody who's doing something like what you're doing or whatever, and you get mad at that, that's your ego. You know what I mean? I, I thought that was, it's quite interesting to hear in that perspective, you know? That's dead on, it's dead on. Yeah, that one was released just last week. Yeah, that was last week, man. So if you get a chance to listen to that one, that one's solid, dude. But uh, without further ado, guys, I wanted to ask you this first question. What was the example of marriage you're shown by your parents? Ladies first. Um, My parents were married almost 35 years before my dad passed away last last year. And I never saw them fight. Um, I mean, they had like little arguments here and there. But the way my dad saw it was, if we're not going to be fighting about it in five years, it's not worth our time now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never really saw them argue over things. Um, they both worked. And whenever my dad would get home, if he got home first, he was cooking dinner. If he got home first, he was cleaning up or picking us up. Um, and, you know, same thing with my mom. So I feel like I kind of saw the best possible marriage that exists. Mm-hmm. they were I mean they were best friends until my dad passed away so much so that my mom uh she was supposed to go on a women's retreat for with her church and it was obviously a women's retreat my dad couldn't go and she didn't want to go without him so he volunteered to drive the bus and that's how he got in to go with her <laughs> <laughs> oh wow that sounds really sweet I'm so sorry for your loss Thank you. as well that's great yeah and what about you Victor Complete opposite. <laughs> complete, complete opposite. Uh, my parents were together for 11 years and then uh, decided to get married, Tyler and I, and then like three, three or four years later, they ended up getting divorced. And they, they were really young when they had me. I think they were both 20 or so. So it was pretty much everything the opposite, Stephanie uh, embarked on. My parents were older and my mom was 35 when she had me. Mm. Wow. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have a, a younger sister. She's five years younger. Mm-hmm. And then my like, has a sister, 11 years younger, Anna. Yeah. So how did you get into the line trade? Like, was your family <laughs> in there? Or like, Actually, uh, by, by this time, uh, I was a part of a church that Stephanie grew up in. And uh, huh. a lot of the guys that I, I looked up to were uh, working for the utility back home and not HLMP, center point. And uh, man, I just, I really remember looking up to a lot of those guys and uh, that's kind of what introduced me to line work. I went the different route though. I didn't go utility. I went outside. And... Right on, man. So have you seen a transition between the utility to the outside? Or what's, your, what's your take <laughs> huge, on that? Huge transition. <laughs> I, I think right now for our marriage and for our family, it's, mm-hmm. it's the best for sure. I mean, being at home with the kids and uh, just the, the schedule and being here not having to travel Mm -hmm. it's it's been awesome so far 
always I always get sorry babe go ahead no okay i always get the question you know what because i i've had the opportunity to work construction i've had the opportunity to work utility and co-op right so i've seen all of it and one of the things i always get is what do you like better day for the family and i honestly can't answer that you know like the the best answer i get i can give is if you're fortunate enough to work in an area like in southern california where you have multiple contractors that's a good thing because you're going to be home right where right. I came through, it was jobs. So it was like three or four month jobs, you end of completion, you know, you finish that and then you have to travel to a different part of the state or out of the state. You know what I mean? It wasn't always work like, like it is here with this big boom. So for me, the utility was nice because you are home. But then when I got there, I was lowest on the totem pole. So guess who's doing the calls? Guess who is doing the night shift? So even though I was home, I wasn't even home if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. right, right. And that, how was that with you, babe? Was that hard on you or? Uh, it was, I mean, I think, well, just when you would have to travel, New Mexico is such a crazy state because it's like no man's land. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to travel really far to get to like a little town. And then you're going for miles and miles and miles and there's nothing. So when he would travel, he would be gone like far away, like three hours away, four hours away, and there would be nothing in between. So it'd be pretty hard. I remember there was a point in time where he worked at El Paso in, in El Paso for a contractor. And he would, he was so stubborn that he didn't want to leave us. He would wake up in the morning on Monday morning at like what, two o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and drive to El Paso to get there four hours later on time at seven. And yeah. he did that for like three years. Actually, it was six o'clock. I had to be there at six. Yeah. And all the other guys would try to do it. And they're like, I don't know how you do it, Dave. But he was just so stubborn that he didn't. So it was kind of, it would be kind of hard sometimes. Um, but when you were at the utility, to answer your question, um, I, it was like, we, I was looking for the end game of traveling, but that kind of never stabilized because you were gone all the time at night because they they put you on night shift and all these things so so things never really kind of stabilized the way i would hope they did mm -hmm. you know what i mean how did um, things change for you stephanie when <laughs> from him working contract to him being home like do you feel like the family was able to um like accept his presence being there more often rather than you always having like the certain schedule or or how did it go for you what did we, your family dynamic look so like so from the time that we moved here um you know we started homeschooling once we moved to california so it was it's all about victor's schedule if victor's off homeschool's off for the day we're going to go out and do something with him if he needs to sleep we're going to let him sleep um and so we really try to accommodate him in that way as far as construction or outside construction versus utility. Um, his first week, he worked like a 48 hour shift. So mm -hmm. that was that was a rough one. Um, and even just last night, I guess it was like four, four or five o'clock. And I texted him and I was like, look, your daughter is giving me the worst attitude. I'm gonna lose it if you don't come home. Mm -hmm. And he was home within an hour. And wow. we hit up the beach today and had lunch and had dinner last night. So I think that flexibility has been really nice. The kids love having him home. So as far as like a schedule, 
he never interrupts their day by being home. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. The presence of a father, how it really changes the dynamic <laughs> with the kids, right? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think after our second kid, I kind of had like a little 30 minute rule. If I couldn't get home within 30 minutes, I didn't want no part of it. Yeah. Well, and even, even during like his really long shifts, he'll stop in, you know, in the morning or in the evening or whatever, just to say hi and give us all a hug and a kiss. And that's been really nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. And, and that's kudos to the utility for allowing you to do that. The utility yeah. I work for, they didn't allow any of that stuff. I mean, they had GPSs on the vehicle and it was, it was crazy. You know, it got to the point where they're like, you got eight hours for an elbow. Right. Like, okay, what are we going to do? Can we do anything after that? Like, we don't care what you do. Just don't come into the yard and don't get in trouble. And you better not be at your house. Right. What the heck kind of, right. right. You know what I mean? Especially with people that need to be doing something. I mean, I don't know how many guys I know in the line trade that have ADD. They can't sit still. You know what I'm saying? So imagine that. And you had eight hours (laughs) and it doesn't take eight hours to do an elbow, you know, and you're freaking out and then you can't stop anywhere. You're just constantly driving. You know what I mean? It was crazy. It was trying definitely on my, my, my part as well. Um, I think I, put up with a lot of crap uh, per se, just to stay home. If that makes sense. You know, I was like, I got to put up with this. Cause I have to, I have to be there for my family. You know what I mean? Right. That kind of, there's like a war within you seriously. Cause the contractor side of you is like, if these guys only knew, man, you know, what I mean? oh, yeah. I'll drag this mother. I'll burn it down. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Give my two checks. You know, and you want to do that, but the same token, you're like, man, like for me, I made this promise to my wife that I, that was it. You know, once I got to utility, she was going to be able to go to school and all this other stuff. Right. And it never came. It never came for me because we're the shit, you know, it went from working days to, all of a sudden, now you're going to shift work. You're going to night work for four years. Right. No questions asked. You're going to four to midnight for four years. That, and then once you get on that, then you come back to days. And it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, that's, that's brutal. brutal. Yeah. Well, they went from 300 linemen at one time to, I think they have like nine. Wow. Yeah, that's how many they've lost because of the way they do stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a mental crazy. battle too. I've noticed. I mean, just grinding out at a utility at the time does seem to kind of go by a little longer, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you make the best of it. You, you pick and choose. You pick yeah. and choose your battles for sure. With that being said, um, like we're talking about me not it never came for me to be able to go to school because there was so much responsibility at the home. Yeah. I, I'm interested to hear about how you guys helped each other accomplish like each each person's dreams like Stephanie you have a law degree I think that's really amazing and now you've chosen to stay home to be with the kids but I'd like to hear your story of how that all came to be (laughs) I did not see it coming that's for sure um Victor so my first year law school right before I started um the month before I started actually we found out we were having Eli Mm -hmm. and yeah and I remember an attorney telling me, a female attorney telling me, you should probably just quit now. You're never going to be able to make it. Well, that was it. Like, you might as well have given me my diploma then because that's what pushed me the next three and a half years. Um, And during that time, that first year, before Victor was in the apprenticeship, I was going to night school um, and he watched Eli. So I would stay home with Eli during the day and then Victor 
would take over um, between like five until I got home after 10. And he was with Eli that entire time by himself. Um, besides that, you know, we had our families that helped us a lot. So I was able to push through, get my law degree. Um, and then one day Victor's like, hey, I keep getting these pictures of check stubs from my buddies and you want to go to California? I'm like, no, that's crazy. A few months go by, he brings it up again. Like, hey, look at these check stubs. Let's go to California. And at one point I'm like, all right, cool. Let's go. Let's sell the house. Let's go like all in. And I remember the one thing I heard from everyone is, wow, you're so brave. And it was in a way that was like, you're insane. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, because they would be like, you know, where are you going to move in California? I'm like, I don't know. It might be Southern California or it might be Northern California. That's all I know right now. Wow. <laughs> and it just, you know, none of them knew linemen. So they, that sounded crazy to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I have my law degree. I can use it later once the kids are bigger and um, I feel like it equipped me to be able to problem solve during this crazy time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's great. So when you were supporting her, what were you doing, Victor, before you got into the apprenticeship? Oh, wow. Before I got into the apprenticeship, I was actually working at one of the yeah. firms that she practiced, yeah, that she worked at. And, uh, we had just had our first son and uh, I, I remember telling him like I just I don't want to be at the show and tell where the parents go to school and I'm a file clerk you know so that really helped me make up my mind what I want to pursue you know mm. and unlike Stephanie I was a GD guy I dropped at a really young age and I didn't pursue a bunch of school or anything like that so which that's, I'm, I'm taking that look with our kids of look you don't have to go to college look look at mommy's law degree and I'm homeschooling y'all get dad and look at what he's making compared to what mom could make back in Houston Mm -hmm. so you know it's um I think that's a really important message especially now of you don't have to go to college Mm -hmm. yeah to be successful was it hard for you to put down like the law degree and pursuing law in order to stay home no it wasn't um because we had at that time we had Eli and Evie um and it was, it was actually, to be honest, kind of a rough patch in our marriage. And so it was kind of like this, look, you're either going to go all in and we're going to do this thing on our own without like both of our families in our ears or just accept that this is probably going to end at some point. And so I went all in. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So you, when you say it's probably going to end at some point, are you talking about the marriage itself or, or like the. What are you talking about? As far yeah. As- and just, I mean, being able to be, have like a happy marriage, just, mm-hmm. you know, what, and what I would see as a successful marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of the big things that's really being pushed right now in society is that the whole lady boss thing, yeah. like you can have a successful like career and be like the executive director and still have a successful family. But I don't, feel like that's completely accurate. I think something is going to suffer at some point, like either the job's going to suffer or the marriage or raising of kids, or you are going to suffer yourself because you're not taking care of yourself. I think like a lot of women are really trying to uphold this standard of what society is putting on us. And like, I don't know if it's really possible to do it and have everything be successful in your life. 
I agree with that. And um, I feel like as someone who kind of came from that world, you know, and a woman in law, you have to be all in. Otherwise, you're considered, you know, second rate in the law community. If you are not at every social function, if you are not, you know, keeping up with how many drinks you can have. And I, I don't drink at all. I never really, that's never really been my thing. I didn't grow up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never really fit into that area. I never went to those social events or the wine tastings and all of that with the partners and the other female attorneys. Um, and I think that you're going to have to choose at some point. And the idea of you can have it all. I think it's toxic to women now because you're constantly, you're saying, oh, well, look, she's doing it. I must, I should be able to do it. Why am I not able to do it? Something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. When in reality, if they would embrace what is most important to them, they would see like, no, you can't have it all. And that's okay. Absolutely. I, I feel like also that whole perception that's being portrayed on women really devalues the woman that holds her family as the most valuable thing. Like it devalues the woman that chooses to stay home to make sure that her kids are getting a good education because she wants to homeschool or because she wants to be at every event because you know what I mean? Like you have to work at a team as a team in a marriage. And sometimes somebody has to stay home or you have to like choose certain things because you can't afford to allow your children to fall at the wayside. You can't afford for your marriage to fall at the wayside. I feel. And to be honest, this is way harder mm-hmm. than practicing law, than preparing for a trial or going in to argue, you know, in front of a jury. This is way harder. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's very much undervalued, I believe. Yeah. David stayed home for a year. Um and it was pretty rough. <laughs> I would call him. And, <laughs> I would call him because I went back to work and I had a, a pretty high position and um, I was in charge of a lot of employees and things like that. And I would call him and he'd be like, I got to go because you could hear the kids like arguing in the back of the car. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand. It gets crazy. <laughs> it, it totally does. Yeah, completely. <laughs> it, it totally brought a whole different point of view to me. Um, all those years I was on the road, you know, I never really truly understood her gripes. I never listened to her heart because I thought it was easy. I thought you should be lucky. You're at home, man. One on one, I give to be home. I could be freaking playing with all my animals and yada yada, and building stuff and all this stuff. So I thought, what her idea, what what I thought her idea of of being home, she should have been like grateful for it. You know, what I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily that at all. Um, when I stayed home, I was able to empathize with her because it was hard. It was rough, dude. Like I, I, I was like, I remember telling her, I was like, you need to quit your job. Cause I got to go. There's a call right now. I could take it's close to home. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a mountain call right now. They're doing helicopter work, you know, and yeah. I uh, can go on storm. I can go on storm. <laughs> I'd get calls from my homies, man. I'd be like, Hey man, you want to go on storm? I'm like, I can go on storm. I can make more than what you can in a week, you know, and, and you and you know, whatever, six months or whatever. And, uh, it, it was, it was crazy. You know what I mean? But, uh, I'm, very glad I got to experience that because up until that point, I didn't know what she was talking about at all. You know, all the times that she would call me and she was 
struggling with something loneliness or, or the kids fighting. I mean, it's pretty hard. It's pretty difficult to discipline your kids when you're several thousand miles away or, you know what I mean? So that was very hard. And that was eye opening for me. Just, just to see all the different things that she had on her plate. You know, I left her with three kids, 300 chickens, uh, five dogs, four cats, an acre. We had an orchard dude. I left her with a lot, dude. So plus not to mention she had to cut wood. Mm. Yeah. Cause we like, we lived in the, on a farm, you know what I mean? So she, and that's the primary way that we heated our house. Yeah. And so I had to learn how to like make the little kalitas <laughs> or the kindling wood. And I'd have to learn how to swing. I had to learn how to swing an ax. I had to learn how to fix my washer like with my dad on the phone. I mean, was- that's the thing about line wives. I feel like we, we know how to step up. Like it takes a different breed of woman to be a line wife. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it definitely does. There's a lot. And, and as a, like a line wife and a stay at home mom on top of that, you like, don't get a day off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do have a question though. And it doesn't pay enough, yeah. For sure. No. Yeah. What I do can't you, thank what this you... woman enough though for her sacrifices, honestly. To know that my kids are safe uh, yeah. every day while I'm at work is, man, that's, you can't put a price tag on it. Yeah, it's priceless, dude. It yeah. truly is. I could always remember just thinking, okay, my kids are safe. They're okay. I don't have to worry about that. I could worry about my guys in the air. Right. I mean, that was the last of my concern what was going on at home because I knew I could trust her with that. You know, um, what were you going to say? Ben? I was going to ask, what did you think I was doing at home? Like, what was your idea? <laughs> did you think I was just sitting on the couch and watching TV? <laughs> like, what did you think I was doing? No, I, I knew you had a lot, but until you're doing it day after day. And like you said, there's no break. I thought like, she would have them on a schedule where they went to bed. Cause when I, when I even was at home, even now, if she tells me, okay, your job, like to help her out is to, you get off work, whatever, you got to help with the kids, get them bathed, whatever. You know what I mean? I'm very militant, dude. Just same way. Like in the line trade, you do this, this, this prayers, go to bed. That's it. You know what yep. I mean? Yeah. With her, it's like, no, you got to like, read them a book <laughs> you gotta oh, like, yeah. help tuck them in and kiss them because they'll be like laying on top of their blankets and he's like they need to do it on their own <laughs> like they gotta learn how to do that man yeah, yeah, be flexible. like i mean i had a really great schedule going for our 14 month old this one is unlike the other two this boy's wild and he is like on a sleep progression now to where at one point victor woke up with him because I was like, I just can't. Like, I was like in tears. I was like, I can't. I haven't slept a full night in a week. I can't do it anymore. And so it, you you want to have a schedule, but that's just not reality on a day-to-day basis with three kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Did you get anything built during that year that you were home? <laughs> you wanted? <laughs> Actually, oh I, my gosh. <laughs> I, I, I'm psychotic. Like I can get stuff done. You know what I mean? I really? will find a way. Um, I started this foundation. I started this podcast. No way. Uh, I, I was like, I had to keep busy, even with the kids and everything like that. I had to keep myself going because during that time, my brother passed away. He was a lineman as well. So that really, really, yeah. Hard to hear that. Yeah. Um, it was real hard for me. You know, he's my baby brother and stuff like that. And uh, he died when he was 38, the day before his 39th birthday. 
And uh, so that was very hard. So I just kind of put an overdrive and just started really going forward with this whole foundation of being more than just a paycheck and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And uh, mm-hmm. that, that's what spawned all this too, is that you're being home. I saw how crappy of a father and a husband I was, you know, and I was like, man, I don't like who I've become. This isn't, this isn't me. You know, this isn't what my father showed me. Not that my dad did it perfect. Absolutely not. You know what I mean? But I saw where I had started to slip into this, this, it's like a trap. It really is. Cause you're trying to provide for your family and you think you're doing good. And the whole entire time you're chasing after this, this stuff and thinking that you can buy their happiness, but you really can't. Cause all they want is your presence. I remember. Oh, Jenny, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I remember her <laughs> telling me one time, she was like, man, all I want is you. Mm-hmm. I don't want anything else. Just you, you know? And even then I couldn't see it. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I think a lot of times, I don't know, maybe you could uh, attest to this, Victor. Um, for me, I tend to stay in the box, right? Where I feel most comfortable in and at work, I felt comfortable. Oh, yeah. yeah you know what I mean? And yeah. you're, you're in your back of your head, you're thinking you're providing and, mm-hmm. you know, you're providing everything you didn't have as a child coming up and you're taking them on vacations and supplying them the best gear and all that. But in all reality, all they want is happy you at home, healthy you, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's, and that's big one is when it's time to drag. If, yeah. If things if you're taking homework and yeah, that's that's when it's time to mm-hmm. go on to the next one. You know, if it's if, if he's home every night, but you know, he's ex- so exhausted from work, he's just very short tempered, which is you know, not been the case. But that wouldn't that wouldn't be good either. Mm-hmm. You know, and so having that balance, I feel like he's gotten really, really good at being able to be home when he's home. Yeah. Do you guys have to like sit down and have talks where you have to reassess your plan sometimes, or how do you guys stay grounded on like helping each other accomplish like the goals that you have in your marriage or this, the same vision for your life? Like, well, we talk about it. Um, probably not as often as we, we should, like in a, like a, a, we always have like one kid pulling on us or one kid that's waking up or, mm-hmm. so it's not like dedicated, like this is our time until talk. like, exactly until mm-hmm. the kids are asleep. Um, I mean, as far as I'm concerned though, I've learned with Victor, if I want something, I have to say it, I have to say exactly what I want and how I want it. And he will deliver, but only if he knows what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. That's kind of funny, huh? Because you would tell me what you wanted and I would make it happen. <laughs> well, you would be like, well, what do you want to do here? And I'd be like, oh, this and that. And then you, all of a sudden you'd be working on it. And I wasn't like, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but with like other stuff, it was, it was kind of a harder, like it took a little while for you to, yeah. to get certain things. Like, even though I was saying it pretty bluntly and clearly. Yeah. No, that's just, sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta listen to your wives. You know what I mean? Communication. Communication. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of times men are just so hard headed. We, we think we, we know everything, you know, right. It's just, it's a, it's a humbling experience when you figure out that, Hey, they're right the whole entire time, you know? 
but uh, I think it's a good thing though, when you get to that point when you're actually can say that, you know, I think a lot of marriages would be saved if whoever's wrong could actually be the bigger person and be like, look, you know, you know, you're right. You know, let's work on this. How can we change this? You know? And um, putting down the, the pride and the ego. Yeah. Putting down yeah. that pride and ego for sure. Yeah. Um, what kind of boundaries do you guys put in place for your guys' marriage? Now I heard you guys say, that the kids are pulling on you and stuff like that. Like, do you guys set up boundaries to where you guys can't have that quiet time and, or even boundaries with work? Cause I know sometimes men have a tendency to, even though they don't want to work a call out, you almost feel obligated because they're like giving you that, 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 you know, they try to shame you into it. You know what I mean? Oh, bro. Oh, come on, dude. It's going to be easy. It's just one right. pull. It's just one pull. Next, you know, it's freaking 48 hours later, <laughs> you know? So, what do you do? What do you guys do to put up those boundaries? Like to say no. I'm not as nice as Victor. Um, Victor is very, you know, if, if his kids, you know, if one of them wants to sleep with us or something, or if one of them, you know, wants to snuggle, he's like, okay, no, I'll snuggle. I'm like, no, it's bedtime. It's mine and dad's time. Go to bed. I don't want to see you out of your room. Nope. <laughs> I don't see them all day. I, know, like, I need you and so that's, I mean, that's one thing is like I, bedtime is pr- pretty strict. You know, we let my oldest stay up a little bit late, like when his dad's working. Um, but other than that, we, we try to get him all to bed at the same time. Mm-hmm. What about you? Oh, same, as, same as you. Or know. like I hit his phone the other night, I stuffed it under <laughs> some clothes and I was like, you're not taking any clothes. <laughs> I kind of just paced myself uh, first of the month. Uh, hit it hard and then towards the end you know if, if if i can just turn down a bunch and put in the put in the work at home mm-hmm. and how do you guys protect your family or uh, against like other things like we, are you real choosy with your friends or who you keep yeah. bring close to you like yeah, are there yeah. certain rules that you're like okay if you're talking to a couple both of you guys have to be there or we haven't really had any issues in, in that area, um, especially within the line community. Um, so right now we're in a house, we were in an RV park before and it was a lot of line families and the wives stuck with the wives and the husbands stuck with the husbands and the kids all played together. Um, so that hasn't you know, really been an issue. I think our biggest or my biggest boundaries have been family of, you know, look, you don't agree with what we're doing and I don't care. This is what Victor and I are doing. We want your opinion. We'll ask you. If not, you just need to butt out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's been our biggest thing. I think that was the biggest benefit of moving to California mm-hmm. was getting into our own space where we could grow together as a couple without the outside noise. Yes. Yes. I yeah. like that. Yeah. For sure. You got to definitely get away from that outside noise and that influence. You know what I mean? And anytime I'm at home, I, we like to have, you know, Break bread at our dinner table. We like to eat together as a family, and when when I'm off on Sundays, we like to go to church together as a family. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's big. That's big. Yeah. I know for me, Victor, um, when I got to the utility, I was very leery. There's like my wife used to always ask me, like, "Man, you don't bring nobody over or anything." Uh, and <laughs> I do it straight up. 
you know, I don't care who's listening. There's very few people that I'd bring oh, to yeah. the house. You know what I mean? And for yeah. sure, for sure. You know, so <laughs> no, he's he's very choosy about who we meet. I remember I think the first people that were on his crew that we met was just this in this past year <laughs> because we were not allowed. He doesn't want them to know who we are or you know where we live or anything like that. Mm-hmm. My wife thought that that was crazy. See, I'm not the only person who does that. <laughs> I I did think it was a little bit weird, but um, in the beginning, because I was like, I didn't have good, like a good idea of what marriage was and what being an adult was. So everything I thought it was supposed to be like, was like what I found out in the movies. So I thought like, you went to work and you developed friendships and then you hung out with your friends and you know what I'm saying? And because I didn't really have a close knit family, um, that I could rely on and, and stuff like that, I kind of developed like really close attachments to friendships. So to me, to meet somebody else that didn't have like real close attachments with friends was weird for me but he had close attachments with family. So Mm -hmm. I had to learn how to transition into that space of believing that family was sacred and protecting my family from friends and things like that, because I used to really struggle with people pleasing and stuff like that. And if he were to like offend my friends or something like that, I would kind of take my friend's side over his side or if some kind of thing would happen there because I was just so like attached to my friends because my family dynamic growing up was just really unstable and crazy and, and bad. So now older and I don't have much friend, like many close friends anymore. And now I'm like really stuck and attached to the family. I really see the value in what he does as far as being choosy and filtering out the people that he doesn't believe are safe for the family. And I'm so grateful for it because if he didn't take that role of a protector and a man in the household and lead with that, I mean, there could have been many disasters that could have taken place because you do have to be careful of who you bring in your home. If you have people drinking in your home and then you have your teenage daughter and that person's not safe, you know what I mean? You got to just be very careful about those things. That's, that's true. Yeah. Dead, dead on for sure. And that's, I think that's how he, he operates. Like I'm, I mean, I'm pretty skeptical of people too. Like, I feel like we've been very lucky in meeting like-minded people when we moved to California, we got um, to be part of a homeschool group that a lot of them are, they're just like us um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And Victor has been very careful. I think that that's saved any kind of stress for me I've never worried about like who's going to be at my door or who's going to show up drunk never ever had that issue mm-hmm. that being said though I was not always you no, know, yeah I, I mean I was no perfect angel by no means yeah. but just knowing myself I didn't want somebody else like me around my family <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> they can only handle one right? oh, yeah exactly <laughs> Man, that's funny that you said that, dog, because uh, I remember the guys, like, I when I finally stopped drinking, I haven't drank in, like, what, 14, 15 years? Yeah, it's been that's a long awesome. time. And uh, the guys, some of the line guys that I'd be with would be like, hey, man, you don't drink? And uh, one guy, one time, he's a mouth, he was out of a uh, Mountain States. <laughs> And uh, he's like, oh, I don't trust a guy who doesn't drink. I was like, oh, I was like, dude, 
let me tell you what's going to happen. If I start drinking, you're going to wound up with a black eye. I was all right. just, just letting you know right now. And he's right. like, really? And I was like, yeah. I was like, cause I'm going to really let you know how I feel about you. And you ain't going <laughs> to like that. You know what I mean? And he just kind of <laughs> shut up and he got his gun and he put it close to him. You know what I mean? And he stayed on the other side of the fire, you know, and I was cool. You stay there. I'll stay here and we're, we're good. You know what I mean? But, uh, he never said anything else about that. You know what I mean? But I, I just had to stop, you know, for me. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Same boat. I, it took me a really long time. I mean, I kind of danced around with it for a long time. And uh, I started the trade sober. And uh, and I'm, I'm Lord willing, I go out sober, too. That's, yeah. where I go, so. mm-hmm. That's good. Um, how long have you all been going to church? Did you guys start like in your marriage, both believing or did it take a while? Like I, I mean, from a baby, my parents were, you know, involved in the church. My dad, I was a musician, played guitar. He traveled with the trio around South America and played. Um, so I've always been around, up around the church. We had a very strict home growing up, um, very religious which was really fun to bring Victor home into. Because we were just, <laughs> he was so polar opposite to everything that, you know, they had in their head of, you know, who I was going to marry and who. And so it was, it was an interesting time. But, you know, after everything, my dad loved Victor. I always told my mom, I'm like, I know dad will pick Victor over me any day because he just loves him so much. Oh, that's awesome. I got kicked out of Catholic junior high. And so <laughs> Catholicism was a little different. And uh, when I met her family, they, they were probably one of the biggest blessings in my life, to be honest, because they introduced me to everything that was good. I mean, I, I got to see a lot of healthy things from them. And I can't thank God enough for introducing me to them. Oh, that's awesome. That's really beautiful. <laughs> we, uh, she actually invited me to church. I still remember it was, uh, Calvary, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, I was a godless heathen straight up. I mean, I grew up like in a Catholic family, you know, just right. real strict Spanish Catholic, whatever. And, uh, we went to church for, for Christmas and, uh, for Easter, Easter right. Yeah, and that was yeah. it. Um, I remember a point in time where my dad got really sick and he almost died. And we went to church for several months after that. And then after that, I kind of petered out, you know what I'm saying? But uh, my dad wasn't a big drinker at all. He didn't drink, you know, hardly ever. And if he did have one beer, it was after we busted our butts, after mm. we picked up a bunch of bells or we built fences or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, so I think I got that aspect from him, the hard work and not the drinking and stuff like that. But unfortunately, my grandfather <laughs> was the nice guy, you know, just real influential and he would drink and he would drink a lot and he was not a crazy drunk or anything like that but he would always drink and he would hide it from my grandma and i was always with that man i love that man you know what i mean and i was always with them and he'd be giving me the, the sips of the schlitz milwaukee <laughs> you know what i mean beer and telling me to shh, you know don't let grandma know and stuff like that so that's kind of like where i developed that whole drinking stuff you know what i mean that was kind of detrimental to our, our marriage and my daughter and stuff like that but uh with that being said you know what i mean i could see how alcohol you know could be used in a point where you know it could take over your life right and you can 100%. use it to you can use it to just sedate yourself you know what i mean 
I um I actually grew up kind of like new age. <laughs> new age. <laughs> yeah. My parents just off the rave. Whoop, whoop. No. <laughs> no, like uh my parents would do like yo kundalini yoga and okay, yeah. talk to like psychics and staging the house. And... Yes, go to like Indian medicine people and buy like soaps that you had to wash your sins off with and like no I'm serious like all these things so I grew up like reading like druid witchcraft books on how to do spells and like a bunch of weird stuff like you name it and then there went like there was like a church where they taught out of the bible but it was like very new agey like not biblical at all and then like I went through some really hard stuff and then my friend Crystal invited me to church and I was like oh my gosh like Calvary you know mm. this is amazing like I was crying and then I invited him I think we we're broken up at the time yeah right? we're broken up we're dating we broke up she invited me and I remember I was teasing people because they're I'd never seen people worship or anything like that. And I was kind of like, oh, watch that idiot over there. You know what I mean? Just talking smack <laughs> and everything like that. And I was like, yeah, these people are weird. You know, and she was mad. She kept elbowing me. I was like, and I don't know a, this guy. Yeah, she was embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> you go over there. Like <laughs> and then the pastor came on and he started talking. And I I felt like he was talking about me. Mm. And I even looked at her. I was like, Oh, did you tell him all this stuff or what? What's mm. going on? You know. I was actually pretty upset, you know, and uh, I just remember just feeling this like heaviness on me. And then when I gave myself to the Lord, you know what I mean? Just accepted Jesus Christ, man. It was just like a, a weight came off of me. I couldn't stop crying, you know, and I didn't ever cry. Tough guys don't cry. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, man, I was bawling like a little kid. I was, and I felt that peace, you know, that surpasses all understanding, just all that weight just come off of me and, Never looked back since, huh? Yeah, oh. and then we got baptized like a couple weeks later mm -hmm. together, yeah, which together. was pretty neat. And then and then we got married. So we, we were not together more. whenever he got baptized. We were dating, uh -huh. but I think we were engaged at that point. But he came home like one day to my parents' house and he was soaking wet. And I'm like, where have you been? Like we were supposed to eat dinner. And he's like, I got baptized. And I'm like, you didn't call me. He was like, well, no, why does you need to be there? And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Under the radar. Yeah. Uh, Everybody there. <laughs> I picture you just walking home with your socks all soft and wet, dude. <laughs> oh. Bible study. Yeah, it was. That's cool. Uh, that's funny, dude. <laughs> that's awesome. How has uh how has having that relationship with Jesus really helped your marriage, like through the hard times? I think that's the only thing that carried us through the hardest times. Mm -hmm. Um, and the prayers, you know, from from my parents, from mm -hmm. my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the Bible talks about like how the prayers of the saints that never they never die, and I feel like that has covered us through a lot of our stupidity. Mm -hmm. and a lot of the things situations that we put ourselves in or put each other through um and so I think a lot of times like going you know during the hardest times of your life you always go back to what you know the best and I grew up Pentecostal and so that's what I've always gone back to and I know that's helped me keep my sanity 
I know if I put myself and my family in some of the worst uh, predicaments and uh, I just making poor decisions, but if it wasn't for him, there's no way I'd get out of those situations and, and be in where we're at right now. Just if it wasn't for his grace. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a lot of people where me and my wife were talking about it the other day. And uh, I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. A lot of couples, right. Um, we don't give each other grace anymore, you know, and uh, sometimes we confuse grace with mercy. You know, and I heard this sermon where they talked about how you don't want God's mercy. And the way he was describing it to me is like, I grew up a hunter, right? I, I hunted, we grew up hunting and stuff like that. And mercy, like when we wounded an animal, mercy was putting that animal to sleep, was, was putting them down so it's not suffering. And that's how this pastor described God's mercy towards us, you know, to the point where you no longer want to do or be obedient to God. And the best thing to do is just for you to be like, the Bible has this passage and I'm sure you've heard it where it talks about how to turn him over to the destroyer. That way his soul can go on. Right. And it basically just stopping him from, from destruction, you know what I mean? From destroying himself to, or getting to a place where you can never go back to God. Right. And uh, I thought that was interesting, you know, so I stopped praying for mercy and I started praying for grace. You know, when I did that, I got that thought about grace. We don't show each other grace, especially in our marriages. You know, a lot of times, a lot of problems can be solved if we learn to put down that ego and give each other that measure of grace. I mean, me and her, we had an argument about that. And I was just like, you know what, we just need to show each other more grace. You know, I think a lot of times we get so Oh yeah. Everybody <laughs> wants to be right. And we start butting heads in the marriage. I'm probably worse than he is on that. Honestly. I mean, I am pretty independent for the most part, pretty strong headed. And Victor is usually the one like he, he's really good at letting things go. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, it's done. Let's move on. But I'm not done yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I could probably work on that. You're, you're trying to prove that point, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> you found like the shark and he's the turtle. Did you guys hear when we talked about the shark and turtle? I heard, I heard a piece of that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the shark is the one that like really goes after the problem, wants to solve it and wants to know. And the turtle's like, I'm going to go in my shell and chill out until yeah. like the storm <laughs> calms down. Totally does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had and a, one thing that's helped too is you know we've learned to like let's walk away for a minute let's give yeah. it like 30 minutes we'll come back together right. and we'll work it out it'll be fine I think that's yeah. huge that is a huge thing that helps people um because I think sometimes people are like really adamant about don't let the sun go down on your problems but I think sometimes you do need a breathing space because if you just argue and argue and argue until the hours of the night you're exhausted and nothing right. gets resolved mm-hmm. right but I think if you can set it down for just a time and you agree upon a time, but that you will revisit it in a short amount of time, like the next day or, you know, here in a couple hours and you will revisit it once your emotions have calmed down, you're not so triggered. You're not so like way up here, heightened with your emotions and stuff like that. Then I think that really gives people a breathing space to be able to solve issues. I think that's totally true. I'm never as mad at him than after going to sleep and waking back up, mm-hmm. you know, as I am the night before when we're arguing or 
or disagree on something. I think that's a good description of uh, my wife was saying about how going on and on and on, you know, I've heard it even being called marathoning, you know, because you are, you're marathoning over and over and over and over. And like she said, it doesn't solve anything. You're exhausted. And what happens when you're exhausted, you tend to say stuff that you didn't really want to say, but you just want them to just to shut up. <laughs> you know, I'm being serious, yeah. right? Seriously, yeah. you know, you just want them to stop. And uh, I think that's important to have that time off, that break, agreed mm-hmm. upon time, right? Um, one of the other things too that I see about uh, with with couples out there is that whole empathy, you know people tend to think sympathy is the same as empathy and it's totally not, you know, empathy is what, like I talked about earlier about being able to put yourself in your spouse's shoes and see their point of view. And that's what needed to happen in our marriage by me staying home that year. So to allow her to go to work, you know, um, she always had a dream of going to work. And I always thought in my head, no, you're going to stay home. You should be lucky to stay home. You know, we didn't assess our, our dreams at all, you know, and I had a past guest come in here and say that when your spouse's dream become, when your dream becomes your spouse's nightmare, that's when it's time to assess the dream. Reass- reassess. Reassess. Yeah. That's good. Did you always want to stay home if you had kids? <laughs> no. no, I, if you would have told me Four years ago, we moved out here three years ago. If you had told me four years ago or three years and six months ago, I would have been like, no, that would never happen. Mm-hmm. That never crossed my mind. The first child I was ever around was mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> so no, it did not. And that was, that was a rough learning curve, mm-hmm. you know, arguing with my five-year-old about why she has to put pants on today is way harder than going in to argue criminal defense for somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I did not see myself here. I'm, I'm happy that I get to do this. You know, I, I've learned to embrace it. I've learned to just kind of roll with the punches day to day um, and kind of what works, like how each of my children are so different, what works for each one of them. Um, so we're making it work, it's going good. But no, I, I did not see this coming at all. <laughs> How did you um, like picture marriage would be before you ever got married and, and how your life would be before you got married? Ooh. Wow. Yeah. I figured I would, I'd be an attorney and, you know, we would live in our house that we bought. Um, I came home like my mom did after work, cook dinner, but to bed. It was just very, just kind of monotonous, but it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, packing up and leaving Texas to come to, of all places, California, which I never even wanted to visit California before moving here, mm-hmm. was definitely not something I had considered. Now she doesn't want to leave. Though. Now he cannot drag me back to Texas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and how did you picture it, Victor? Uh, the, the same way, in a sense, uh, the white picket fence with the American flag out and me getting off work and hanging out in the garage doing my thing and coming into a hot plate and a few vacations here and there but it's been <laughs> a little eye-waking <laughs> yeah. 
we've had one thing that I really, really love about Vic is that he is always up for an adventure. He doesn't need a plan. He doesn't need an itinerary. Let's just go. Mm. And I'm, I've never been like that. So I've, I've kind of just learned to adapt, roll with the punches on that too. And it's been so fun. You know, mm-hmm. we'll go out driving one day and end up, you know, surrounded by blackberry bushes and the kids are trying blackberries and, you know, that's their favorite part of the day. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really been fun. That's good. And so what do you guys think about marriage now that, what do you think it really is now be, like, in contrast <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah, over, over lunch today. And I was telling him, you know, it, it has to be a hundred percent and a hundred percent. He's like, that doesn't even make sense. I'm like, no, it does because you're never, no one's ever going to be able to give a hundred percent. And so you're kind of covering each other's, you know, Checking empty spot, areas. Right. Yeah. 60, 40, 70, 30. Yeah. But somewhere down the line, you're going to meet back in the middle. Yeah. You know, reset one day, the next person picks up where the other one's falling short. You know? Well, even, you know, last night um, when I texted him like, hey, you got to come home now. Like, I need you here before I lose my mind. Just him coming home and taking us to dinner, that was the reset I needed. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not going into Monday dreading it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm ready to take on tomorrow. I'm ready to start school again. and. I'm in a good headspace now just because he gave me that time. Mm-hmm. I agree, man. When he comes home every once in a while and he's like, all like, he kind of will read me and he'll be like, you don't want to cook dinner tonight, huh? Let's go out to eat. Oh, I'm yeah. like, oh thank God. <laughs> I don't have to do it. Like, cause it, you don't realize how much mental stuff and creativity it takes <laughs> to like feed your family every single day. Yeah. Like I remember (laughs) as a kid, like you didn't have to worry about what you're going to eat. You just like food was on the table. You know what I mean? But now as an adult, you're like, oh my God, what am I going to make for dinner tonight? You know? And then did I take it out of the freezer? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Four different personalities. Yeah. Nobody, somebody doesn't like it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, every time. And then you're like, nope, you're eating it. (laughs) You don't like it. Keep it to yourself. I don't want to care. I don't have the energy to make something for you. Special. <laughs> All right, guys, there's a question for both of you guys. So I'll start with you first, Victor. Um, what is something you tell husbands out there now that will resonate with them, you know, that you've learned through your marriage that will help them? That that's, before, I mean, after God, the marriage and at home, that's number one priority. And a lot of guys already know that. So that being said, it, it's a constant, constant work. It, it's when I say that it's not like work, work, but it's something that we're always striving for perfection. I mean, we always want to better our marriage and we want the best for our spouse and, and we want them to be happy, but that's not always going to be the case. Just don't give up on it. Mm. Don't give up. I like that. And, and you, Stephanie, what can you tell the, the wives out there? Don't be afraid of your place in the home. Mm. Um, mm. Don't let, don't give in to this noise of you have to do something outside your home to be relevant or to be worth something the way I see it, and and this is coming from someone who I was in the workforce, I was, you know, in a professional scenario, this is way more important. 
who who is putting ideas in my kid's head and who is raising them and who is steering them in certain directions, that is a hundred times more important than anything I would ever do in any courtroom on the planet. Mm. Wow. Man, I like that. I like that. That really reminds me of the scripture that says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yeah. but lose like their soul? Their soul. And mm. I feel like our as women, we were created in a way to have our heart be our family and mm. vice versa for our men too. Like your heart should be with your family. That's why God created us to leave and cleave. Mm. That's why it was detrimental for you guys to move from Texas to California or not to, detrimental or not detrimental, but it was important yeah. to yeah. go oh, yeah. from Texas to California for you guys to grow yeah. your family, you know? So you know, that that's awesome, guys. Thank you. You guys are wonderful. I appreciate you guys coming on here and just sharing with our audience what it takes to be successful in, in marriage. Um, I know that uh, it, our listeners are going to have tremendous value from this. And we appreciate you guys for sure. Um, if people have questions, is there any way they can get a hold of you guys or if they want to reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, we're both on Instagram. Um, and I mean, that's, that's the best way to get a hold of us is on Instagram. Uh, mine is Steph Enriquez, nine three eleven, and Victor's. Victor Enriquez. Victor Enriquez. One, the number oh, one. There you go. Okay. <laughs> and we hats off to you, man, for what you're doing for for our industry. I mean. I really wish this was around. Victor's been telling you about your ago, podcast man. forever and how much he's enjoyed it. And it's, it's great content. So yeah. It's awesome, you. man. Thank you for what you're doing. Yeah. And thank you, man. We appreciate you guys. We surely do. Yeah. We wouldn't exist without um, our amazing guests and our listeners. So thank you to all of our guests and every single listener out there. We really appreciate you all. Right and don't forget our stickers, man. We just got That's the new right. stickers out there. So. <laughs> You know. I did just see those. Yeah. <laughs> all the all the proceeds that go from that go right to our foundation. We're a nonprofit 513C. So, you know, check them out if you guys can. We appreciate everything. Once again, this is David and Jenny from the Show Up That Foundation, thanking you and our guests, Stephanie and Victor. Thank you for coming on here and God bless you guys. Thank, Thank you. Thank y'all. Thank y'all.